All right. All right. I do have a PowerPoint here somewhere. There it is. All right. Cool. So today is uh, we're going to do exceptional among the great. Right. And again, this one's for me as much for you. Uh, but the idea is, and I, I put this up a couple of weeks ago because I was I was thinking about this, uh, uh, the concept that you know, as, as I said, it's not the will to win that people need because I think we all have that. It's the will to do the little things every day, the desire to stay motivated, especially when things are down. That's what that's what we need, right? Um, and again, as I got a new guy to say, as my dear friend, uh, as my dear, dear friend, um, uh, David Goggins would say, you know, do you have the guts to step up and be, be great among the great, right? Or are you going to stay put where you are, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And again, my contact info, because I'm recording this, it could go places besides my group, um, and everything's changing. Uh, DrWillHorton.com is website that's being changed uh, in fact there was a couple tweaks they put the wrong picture with a couple things uh, but it's being fixed today and of course nfnlp.com and kind of going along with the theme of being great among the great uh, there's this, uh, uh, the only easy day was yesterday kind of the motto of uh, an elite performance group from Billy Schilling's old world uh, you know, Navy SEALs, that's kind of how they think, you know, that every day is a new challenge. So as we get started, uh, what do you mean by being exceptional? How do you, if you're going to be exceptional among the best, what do you mean by exceptional? What's your, what's your metrics, if you want to say that? You know, what specifically do you mean, right? And what air, it says, air, sorry, mistype, what area or field do you want to be exceptional in? because one of the things we'll talk about a little bit is sometimes people take a model from the wrong field and apply it to where they want to be now, and it, it may not work. So what area or field um, do you want to be exceptional at? And what markers do you use for being exceptional, right? Um, and that's up to you. Every, everybody's different, right? So start with, as we would say in the addiction world, as searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself or just an inventory. And that's an honest assessment and maybe with some outside feedback of where are you now if you're going toward this goal? What are your strengths, right? Because you want to keep building your strengths, but you also want to build your weaknesses, right? Uh, and I forgot to add a thing. Where are you just okay? It's not really a weakness. It's not your strength. Where are you okay? You know. And when you think about these things, one of the things I think we overlook is, are you willing to do the little things to be exceptional? Right? Um, and that's, that's an interesting thing, right? When you really, really think about it. And we're going to We'll get to that in a few moments, right? So there's some problems, and these are global kind of problems, which is picking the wrong model, right? Because maybe you're not using the right metrics in what do you want to be? For us hypnotists and NLPers, do you want to be an elite hypnotist? You know, do you want to be an Orman McGill? 
right? Or do you want to be a great business person that does hypnosis? They may not be the, and they're not the same thing, right? So, you know, so you, maybe you're picking the wrong model for what you want, right? And then that easily leads into modeling the wrong things, right? Um, and TR there stands for Tony Robbins. Uh, it's not a, it's, it, people are still doing it. They, they'll go to a Tony event and they want to be the next Tony Robbins, right? I don't know how many times over the last 30 something years I've heard, oh, people tell me I'm the next Tony Robbins, right? Well, are you six foot seven? Um, you know, have you been doing this since you were 16? Um, and, you know, did you get trained by Jim Rohn and uh, Warner Earhart, right? I mean, you could go down the list, probably not. So you may not be the next Tony Robbins. And usually uh, then people are modeling the wrong things. You know, I've seen people literally set up a seminar, spend lots and lots of money, time and effort, you know, getting the music and putting up lights and they're gonna do all this if you've ever been or seen a Tony event, right? It, it's a show, it is a show, right? So they'll do all that, right? But they don't have the goddamn skill set, excuse my language, to step up if they got a room full of people to handle the group. It's a, you know, so they're modeling the wrong things, right? Uh, not doing research to where your model started, not where they are right now. If you're going to run a marathon and you've never run a marathon and you pick a model and you want to, you're going to jump up tomorrow and try to run, you know, 26 point whatever it is, two or 26 and a half miles, uh, it's probably not going to end well, you know? You know, except for our dear friend, David Goggins, who kind of did some batshit out of the box stuff. And it usually didn't end well for him, right? But I mean, so where, you know, people that I know that have run marathons, where did they start? You know, maybe they had to start with just jogging, running you know a mile or two miles or where wherever it is but too many times we judge ourselves by our starting point to, well we judge our starting point to where they are okay so being able to handle a big crowd giving a dynamic seminar well if you've never done it it's a skill set that some of it yes you can practice it and model it but some of it uh as they say in theater you have to learn on stage. There's no other place to learn it, right? Um, or on set. That's that's where you're going to learn some of this stuff, right? Um, so you got to do the research of where your model started. How would what did they do at the beginning? What did they do next? A few years ago, I did a deep dive, if you will, into Tony Robbins, and put up all these videos of what makes Tony Tony. That's what I was calling it. Right. And I went back and thank God for Google. It's easy to do, you know, um, found his stuff from the early 80s. Right. Uh, when he was really getting started in that, you know, and so what, you know, it was easier to track where he where he was. Right. And what got him to where he is. And then. Another big global problem is looking at what you have to give up. You're not looking at what you have to give up maybe to become exceptional, right? 
Um, if you want to run marathons, you're going to give up some of your free time. You're going to give up eating crap all the time, right? And you got to, yeah, fuel the system, do the things that you have to do, nurse the injuries, that, that, that. What do you have to give up to become exceptional, including family and friends? Right? And we'll get into that in a little while. And colleagues, right? And again, now we'll get a little bit more specific, picking the wrong model because you like them. I really like that person, right? Okay, well, first, do you really know them? Sometimes we pick models from afar because seeing them, you know, doing seminars or, uh, you know, of course, now with online stuff, right? And again, you can model people you don't like. Right? If they have the skill set that you want. Right? Uh, so we pick the wrong models, right? Or they're dynamic or whatever it is. Right? Are you picking a model that works for you? And again, I kind of fall back to again, judging where you are now to where they are now. So if you want to become a you know, big public speaker, you know. You might want to look at, you know, how they got started, whether it's Tony Robbins or, you know, whoever, who, who, whomever you're modeling, right? And again, a, another specific problem is not being honest with what you can or will do or not do. You know, I was talking to somebody and they go, you used to do stage hypnosis. I said, yeah, not a lot. Didn't make, it wasn't my life, main livelihood. And they're like, I really want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like, great, you know, I can, I'll turn you on to some people who can train you up to do that. But we, we're talking about some other stuff. I go, don't you have a private practice? And they go, yeah. I go, well, are you going to give that up? Well, what do you mean? Well, if you're truly a full-time stage hypnotist, you don't really have the time to run a private practice. And people that say that, or let me know they don't have a private practice or they're not a full-time stage hypnotist because you're booking your next job. You're getting to your next job. You're worrying about this. You don't have time to really focus on a client. Well, yeah, but I heard now with Zoom and that you can do it while you're on the road. Well, maybe, maybe not, but where's your focus? Where's your energy? It better be when you step up on stage. They don't care that you had three bad clients today, that corporations paying you to do the Christmas party. They want to be entertained. Right. Um, you know, I know. And the person that was talking to me, I go, how long have you been married? Three years. Is your, have you talked it over with your wife? Cause you're going to be gone 180, 200 days out of the year, you know? So when the toilet breaks or this goes on, cause this happens to me as a trainer, it just happened. My wife's truck broke down and I was, I can drop a name here. I was in Atlanta filming a, a, a thing for a movie. Right. So I'm in Atlanta, cars broke down here. We don't really have a uh, family down here. So we're trying, to, I was talking to her, but I'm like, honey, I can't really worry about this shit right now. I feel bad, but I'm about to, I'm about, she's about ready to call me on the set. That's my job is to, you know, hit my complicated part of acting, hit the mark, say the line and don't bump into any furniture, right? Uh, but it's like, are you willing to give that up? Right. And people don't think about that. I heard Tracy and I, Tracy giving a talk once on comedy and Tracy Kanan, 
wonderful, funny, funny stage evidences and professional comedian. And she was somebody, we were somewhere and everybody was talking about, oh, I want to do that. I want to like do stage hypnosis and comedy and be on the road. She just said, yeah, it, it, in one way, it's a fun life. But in another way, don't confuse it with being on vacation. I always tell seminar people that when they want to start doing seminars, you're not on vacation, you're on a business trip. You know, and um, I know a true seminar person because like, you know, the seminar ends at five o'clock. This after, you know, this evening, five o'clock this afternoon. If they're truly a seminar person, they're probably trying to get their ass to the airport, get on the next plane to go home. They're not taking, oh, why don't you take some time and see the sights? I didn't come here to do that. Right? Plus, the people I know that do that blow all their money from the seminar on a, it's a vacation. No, it's like, you know, when I worked for companies and they sent me to a seminar, they didn't. Yeah, to go attend a seminar. They didn't say, oh, just hang around for a few days. You know, they want you back at your desk the next day or that Monday or whatever it is. So you have to really look at that. So what are you willing to do or not do? You know, and again, I, I can, uh, our dear friend, Tony Robbins talks about um, on some of one of his talks, I can't find it now. But, he, you know, he goes, the bad side to be an, an internationally acclaimed public speaker, right? The things he missed, you know, family and friends, things going on, right? Because you're out doing, it's why he's cut back now. Uh, but anyway, so are you being honest with yourself what you can or will do or not do? And again, this goes back to modeling the right people, you know, it's easy. If, you know, the person that said they really wanted to do it. And they were talking about the person they were going to model as a stage hypnotist. I said, I like the guy. He's a great guy. He's single and he loves being single and being on the road. And I go, from what you've told me, you're not single. And, you know, it's, you know, and all the back, back stories that go with that. People will be whispering in your wife's ear. What's he doing when he's on the road? You know, uh, you know, and then maybe she, if she's seen a, seen a show, people come up and talk to you, things like that. And again, that's rose-colored glasses. Oh, everybody will support me being on the road. Oh, really? Right? Really? Yeah. Uh, so what are those things? Modeling the wrong things. Looking at the sizzle and not the steak. Right? And again, use the Tony Robbins example, the music, the light show, and all that. And put aside this fact he has four or 500 volunteers running around, but put that aside. But the, the music, the light show and all that is the fact he is very good at what he does, right? And he's been doing it a long time and he is an exceptional change coach, if you want to call him that, right? The few things I've been at live, I've watched him do amazing work with people, right? It's like, he knew how to do that as well as be a great public speaker, right? And if you're, all you're trying to do is be a public speaker, but you can't handle when that thing come out of left field. I remember at that one date with Destiny I was at, to use him as an example, our dear friend, Tony, to link it again. Uh, uh, and he went and he asked a question, I forget what it was about model, I don't know what it was, but he was talking date with Destiny's 
cool thing. And the person stood up and he goes, yeah, da, 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 da. and the person goes, well, you know, underneath it all, I'm really thinking of, uh, I came here this weekend because I figured if I couldn't change, I was going to kill myself. That's a hell of a freaking statement in front of several thousand people, which also gives me some other back. In, but I'm like, I watched him do a beautiful intervention with this person, right? He had the skill set, right? If you so, yeah, that that's in. You got to build the right skill set for what you want to do. And that person would be stage hypnotist. I said, well, first you got to learn stage hypnosis. You got to learn timing. You got to learn, learn all that stuff behind the scenes. You know, uh, not knowing again, modeling the wrong thing, not knowing what they did at the start to get that stake, you know, and start doing that as you build the other skill sets, right? And a part of that is starting too big, right? Starting too big. How many times do we see somebody get their break? I, I know this from performing arts every once in a while. I hear it said, they get their break too early. Right, they, you know, they got a big breakthrough, and then it's it's downhill from there, you know. And again, since we were watching rock rock videos at the beginning, the the one hit wonders or the you know one year wonders, they're the biggest thing you ever heard. Then they disappear, right? Um, and again, it's with that is taking consistent action. When I look at a lot of the what I would consider exceptional performance. They take consistent action toward their goals, depending on what, what, what you're modeling to be uh, exceptional at, right? And here's a big one, comfort zone. If you're good at what you do now, and let's say you want to be exceptional in the field you're in, if you're good at what you do now, at some e levels, it's easy to stay there, right? And that could be part of that's the uh, paradox of success not, and the paradox of knowledge, right? I'm pretty successful now, you know? Why do you want to step up a level? Why do you, you know, why do you want to do this, right? Um, and it, it sounds easy, but it, it can be quite challenging, right? And when I just, to self-disclose, as I always do, uh, sometimes too much. Um, when I started taking professional acting classes again and doing this, and starting after being around, um, you know, doing theater for early decades, um, and and good at it, and known in the area I lived in, uh, was easy. Right, I didn't have to audition half the time. I just got offered, hey, well, you know, there's this play coming up, da, da, da. and it was just picking what I wanted to do, right? And when I decided to to try this other stuff, um, it was scary. And several people asked me in the theater groups I was in, like, why do I want to do that? Right? Why? You know, you're very, you're good at what you do. You're good in the, you're the one of the best. I have still have trouble. Uh, Pat myself on the back. You're you're probably one of the best in the area at, at this, you know, playing these parts and, and stage, community and regional. Uh, so why why do you want to step up where it may not work? Right. So that's the paradox of success. I'm like, 
I could just stay here, keep doing what I'm doing. I'm having fun, you know, and this and that. But do I want to go to the next level, right? Um, whatever it is, right? Um, and then with that, I always talk about the paradox of knowledge, that you have a little bit of knowledge, which is a good thing, but can hinder you in other things, especially if you're trying to, to, to tweak your skills or take your skills in a different direction, right? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm good at stage acting. I understand it. I, I've been doing it forever. It was very easy for me after doing it for all these years, right? And plus, for those that are into it, I think there's a past life experience in there I could talk about with that. But it's like, boom. So then I step over and start trying to do film. And the knowledge that helped me in one area, some of it transcribes or transfers, excuse me, transfers to the other. But other stuff, no, not at all. It's a problem. And what makes you good over here may not even help over there, right? Um, and again, do you have the guts to step up knowing it may not work? You know, um, when I, you know, could just get, in fact, I got offered a few parts in the last, you know, when the theaters opened back up, right? And, and, you know, I'm auditioning for all these films, mostly getting, you know, crickets, you know, uh, as you, as you would say, no, you know, nope, not getting it. Uh, so it's, it's, eh, it's interesting. Right. And I had to go get coached up on what makes you good at the, at this level at that, for that skill set, which is a little bit different, you know, uh, you know, what transfers to film doesn't work here and where to, I, I didn't know that. So I had to go learn it. Right. And, and sometimes if you're already good, another paradox to success is thinking, I don't need help. I don't need coaching. I don't need training. I see people with physical um, getting in shape, people that were very athletic or very in shape at one point in their life, they have that issue, right? And the other day I did a talk on uh, some of the most horrible uh, coaching clients or coaches, right? They don't want to be coached up, right? Because they're, they're good at what they do. So if you're trying to change, are you willing to follow what the coach says? Right. Yeah. So interesting. And do you have the guts to fail? You know, when you measure yourself by the best, you have to be open that it may not work. You know, uh, there's this really stupid movie. My wife loves it, but I think it was totally stupid. It was called Battleship. Right. But there's a scene where the hero of the thing that saved everything, this Navy lieutenant, um, right? And he's like, they're giving him a, a silver star or some shit, Navy Cross or something at the end. And at the end, when he steps off, uh, and so he's a hero, you know, it's the big thing, but he's approached by, uh, and if it was an actor, God damn, was that actor good. I think they actually got a real guy, but he was approached by a, a, a seal. And he says, do you have the guts to run with the big boys? You ready to get off that uh, big, what did he call it? the battleship? That big gray uh, luxury liner and get down in the mud and get dirty with the guys that know what they're doing. And it's a really cool, it's a fast scene, but it's like, he didn't have to do that. As, as some people say, his career was made, right? 
So do you have the guts to step open and maybe fail? One of the interesting things about that, because we've been trained to have a phobia of failure, I think we're, we're trained to it, right? Is, at least in my life, and later on, you know, a couple people I could ask here, the people I've seen that are truly elite performers never judge the failure of people that tried what they did, right? Uh, I got hurt, uh, get, you know, uh, ranger stuff, right? So didn't become one really, right? I got to hang out with them because I ended up in a unit that was attached to a ranger unit, long story. But the, those that made it through ranger training never looked down on the people that at least stepped up and tried, right? Um, it's usually the people, as I always say, you know, your fat cousin, they can't get off the couch that would make fun of you. Yes, yeah, he's told you you shouldn't even try, da, 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 right? But we have, a, we, we have that phobia of failure, right? Uh, and I use the Super Bowl as an analogy. You, no one remembers the person, usually the team that lost the Super Bowl, right? And to take it to the extreme, back in the early 90s, I think it was, the uh, Buffalo Bills made it to four straight Super Bowls and lost, lost one close, one so-so, and then had two blowouts. But I remember when they were going back to the last, the third or the fourth Super Bowl, there were people saying, they shouldn't be, be, even be allowed to play in the Super Bowl. And everybody's going, do you know how hard it is to get, the fact they got there four times in a row, which makes them the second best team in one of the hardest sports in the planet. Yeah, but they suck, you know? And actually they had the best record in those four years span than anybody, right? So I think that's the, the phobia of failure, right? And again, when you look at lead performers, some of them will, they're, they're open to all their setbacks, you know? And they'll, a lot of them will talk about it, blowing stuff up, things not working, right? So there's that. And do you have, not have an, another problem is not having the markers of success, right? So you don't know what success looks like, sounds like, feels like for you, and in that in that endeavor, yeah. Um, and 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 I would should have added incremental, maybe incremental models of success, you know. Getting your to use getting your first gig. If you wanted to be a stage hypnotist, right? Getting good feedback on that stage show, then getting your second one. And then, you know, maybe getting two in one week. Those are incremental models of success. Rather than, I want to do three shows a week. Well, first, do you know how to do three shows a week? It's tiring, you know? Uh, that, that, whatever it is, right? So, what are the markers of success? You know, you want to run a marathon, you should be able to run a half marathon. You know, the 13 mile thing. Um, uh, so anyway, so what are the markers of success? And exceptional pe people alienate many, right? They, whether they try to or not, you know, your current family, friends, colleagues will sabotage you. It says may, but a lot of them will, right? And I use the, the addiction analogy for that. A lot of people, when they first get ready to get sober, they think, oh, my friends will support me, you know, because I they're going to think I'm doing great, right? Thus the saying, you know, new playmates, new playpens. 
Okay. Uh, but they may sabotage you. They will sabotage you because your success is threatening to people. Right? Because what's that say about them? Even in our little field, when people start making, you know, doing well, starting to speak at conferences, you know, unless you're ready to change your colleagues, I wouldn't even call them necessarily friends, to be honest with you. Uh, but colleagues, as you know, it's going to change. And can you let go of those people that don't support you? Um, it's like the, 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 this reminds me of a story. I'm going to screw it up because I didn't practice it. It just came to me. But the person was going to have a big party. And so they told their significant other to invite all their friends and family. And so this, uh, they said, okay. And so they set the party up. And so then what they did is they called everybody, their friends and family, and all the neighbors and all the people around. But instead of inviting them to this big gala party, they said, you know, we're having some difficulties and can you come help us? You know, so we're getting together like, you know, Saturday at seven, can you come help us? We need help, right? And so, you know, and so then when the party was getting ready to get started, the one person says, these aren't all of the, these aren't the friends and family. These are like some of these people we barely know. And the other person said, yes, but these are the people that will support you. Right? Yeah. Uh, so can you let go of the people that aren't um, supporting you? Because those that don't, they'll play on your fear of failure. You know, as I always say, especially close friends and family can push your buttons because they installed those son of a bitches. You know, so they know right where they are. You know, um, so then you need to be able to break it down, pick the appropriate model that fits you, and make sure you can align with them. And what I mean by that is the, you know, you're going to model the beliefs, the attitude, and the outlook as much as the behavior. Can you model the beliefs, the outlook, and the attitude? Right. Um, can, can, is there an internal, can you step into it? Can you align with it? Right. And then break it down into small steps of what they did at the beginning and then begin to do that. Don't try to jump at the end. Right. Start at the beginning and do that. And I would say, and this is what we'll do a quick exercise, do a trauma or polyvagal thing to align with whatever blocks you may have toward going toward that goal. Okay. Whether it's letting go of friends and family, whether it's being okay with being the center of attention. If you wanna be a big time speaker or stage impetist, that, that you gotta be okay with that, right? But if it's like, oh, I'm nothing special, I can't do it, there may be something in there that you need to clear out your nervous system. You know? Um, that you need to look at, right? And here's 
develop a ritual to model. And if you've done, if you've broken it down, you know what you need to do and you start thinking about it and, and beginning to take action. Um, and you've done the, some kind of polyvagal alignment, you know, they have clearing your nervous system so you can install new attitudes, values, and beliefs, right? Start the day with statements and questions, as I always say. There's a reason you start your day. When you're first waking up, your brain's resetting. Best time to do this stuff, right? And so you kind of start with questions and, and statements. Of things like, how can I do all the things needed to become the model I seek? And so how can I do all the little things needed to become the professional speaker that I want to be? What can I do today to surprise myself doing what whoever your model is does easily? Okay. And again, it's just about putting it into your brain. I don't know, one of my favorite statements, I don't know how I realign myself to become whatever the values and attitudes you need, the attributes of your model. I don't know how I align myself to become dynamic, motivated, and driven, but I do so easily today. You're leaving, I think there's power in that. You know, you're leaving it open. You're not answering the question. Your brain likes to answer questions. It's what it does, right? You know, yeah, as, as our friend Billy would say, after it looks for existential threats, then it's going to scan the environment for food and mates. It's just the way your brain's set up, right? Either consciously or subconsciously. And since, you know, we don't have a lot of existential threats right now, uh, there's most of us have plenty of food. So all those things seem to be aligned. So then your brain goes into what else can I do? Right. And generally it will screw you up. It'll start pointing out all the things that are going wrong. Look at the world's in shit. The whole, you know, everything's in chaos. Yeah. But why not give it something else? You know, give it a program to run. You know, I don't know how I can align myself to become dynamic, motivated, and driven but I do so easily. And your brain starts saying, I think, okay, what, what can we do? Well, we could do this, we could do that, we could do this, you know? This really works. I've been saying it when I walk into the gym lately about, I don't know how, but I'm gonna do the workout the way it was written, like four sets of this. Cause I have a tendency after three go, that's good enough. <laughs> Not done, that's good enough, right? You know, uh, I'm gonna do, it says do the set to failure. You know, well, I know that my generally, whatever I think is failure, I, I got a good 25% left, if not more, if I really push it, right? Uh, and I know when I say that, as I'm getting started, it seems to work, right? So questions. And then also use statements, like I'm a dynamic, powerful speaker and trainer, if that's what you wanted to be. I'm a dynamic, powerful therapist and healer, whatever it is powerful statements. Um, some people call them affirmation. Tony Robbins, Robbins calls them uh, incantations with the biggest difference being a lot of times when people do affirmations, they do these really nice, sweet voices, which is fine if that voice motivates you. That kind of voice does not motivate me, right? I need like screaming in my ear. Uh, I accept the success and from being a powerful, dynamic public speaker. 
I accept my success for being a powerful and effective hypnotist, whatever it is. So you do them in the morning and you repeat them at night, you know, because again, you know, when your brain's shutting down and you're going to sleep, the serotonin's turning into melatonin and you begin to drift off. It's a good time. You're open to, I think you're open to suggestions, right? And then when you're waking up, the melatonin is doing that change to become serotonin, right? And then you get, um, your brain is more, is rebooting. So as it's, as you're powering down at night, right? Give yourself something. And then as you're powering your computer up in the morning, right? And do daily, right? Do the polyvagal alignment if you need it. Uh, and your ritual, do it daily and keep doing research. You know, see what the model is doing different. And what is your model doing different? And I meant to put this in there. What is your model doing different than the people that aren't at that level? What are they doing different? That's the little things that you may or may not be doing. Okay, let me stop the share. All right. Oh yeah, perfect time. Let me stop the recording. So that's it. If you have questions, reach out. I'm gonna stay on. If you have questions, reach out um, and uh, keep in touch. And check out drwillhorton.com. I need to keep that.